Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season four, we're talking all about inspirational travel stories. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to another interview episode with my guest, Julie B. Rose. Julie and I connected, I think, over our love of Mexico, but we have like similar stories in terms of leaving jobs in order to travel. And I just love everything she posts. And I know you will as well. So let me introduce her to you. Julie has been solo traveling full time since selling her house and most of her belongings in 2020. In late 2021, she quit her high profile corporate remote job in social media to take a career break from traditional full time employment to regain her time, mental energy, and creativity to work on her upcoming memoir and other creative pursuits and fully enjoy her travels and nomadic lifestyle without constraints. An unmarried, child free woman who refuses to settle, she's passionate about financial freedom female empowerment, and rebelling against societal expectations to be true to yourself. And she's at 50 states and 31 countries and counting. So this episode is a good one. I love our conversation. Julie provides so much insight. So I will leave you to it. Please enjoy. Before we dive in, this season's episodes will come to you uninterrupted and ad-free. I know that you'll be inspired by the stories you hear this season, and if you need help taking the leap yourself, I encourage you to check out the resources listed in the show notes or visit my website, www.travelshifters.com. Whether you are seeking a remote job, a career break, or pursuing a different travel possibility, there are resources and services for every budget, including free. If you have any questions, my DMs are always open at the Travel Shifters. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities podcast. I have another awesome guest for you today with a super inspiring story, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Julie, thanks for being here. Why don't you tell us about yourself? <laughs> thanks, Callie. Well, my name is Julie B. Rose. I I'm a blogger. I'm a nomadic lifestyle influencer. I'm a travel coach. I'm an author. I'm a lot of different things, but mostly I'm a lover of being true to yourself and chasing your dreams and, and really kind of owning your life because you only get one. Love it. And I mean, we've followed each other on Instagram and I feel like that's so true. I look to you to be like, She's so authentic and I love it. So I'm <laughs> excited to talk to you today about this. So before you were all of these things, you lived a more traditional life. Is that right? Yes. I mean, I think I, it wasn't totally on purpose. I was sort of just following in the motions, following in the footsteps of the things that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to graduate high school, go to college, hurry up and finish college, uh, you know, get your 
get your degree, get a job, make money, buy a house, get a boyfriend slash husband slash two and a half kids and, and do all of this at, at certain ages by certain ages. So uh, you can work for your entire life and then retire. And obviously I didn't really, I didn't get to the entire life part, but I think after a while I just sort of discovered, well, hey, one, it's not really going to plan. And two, I didn't make this plan. I didn't consciously choose these steps. I was just sort of doing what I thought was supposed to be done. And I think when I really started to analyze and and make a conscious, intentional choice, I realized, okay, I don't need to do the house thing. I don't need to do the family and the kids thing. What does what does a life I want look like? And and then I made some changes. Very cool. Isn't that the craziest thing? If you are not intentional, you just do what you think you're supposed to be doing. And then that's it. And, that, and then you end up going through like a midlife crisis. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you had this realization. What changes did you make? So, I mean, part of it was obviously circumstantial, like didn't have a relationship that was working, wasn't hitting milestones in the appropriate time frame. But I think what I had to go through was sort of devalue those milestones and and really understand what is it what is it about the relationship that I was that I was chasing? Is it companionship? Because I got a dog and and look at that. You know, look look what that's done for me. And and then with the job, it's like, okay, but you know, do I need the do I need the promotion if I'm already making a good salary? And and then it was, well, I've got the house. I don't really need a bigger house. I could actually get a smaller house. I know that's like in the wrong direction, but I ended up like downsizing and and moving temporarily into a, what do you call it? A casita, a tiny little 400 square foot house while I rented out my house. And I just sort of started experimenting with all these unconventional things and practiced. And then I think it was in 2020 that I was like, hey, I I don't need to do the, the house office job relationship thing. I can sell the house. I can be remote. I can travel. I can, you know, see who I meet along the way and, and just, you know, be true to myself, explore, do the things I love to do and not be stable and tied to a single location. That is so good. You were a bit nomadic in the United States to start, right? You still had your job. Yes. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So I'll, I'll try not to jump around so much. I basically between like 2017 and 2020, I did some experiment experimentation with nomadic living. I had a job that was mostly remote. I would rent out my house to save money and then I would travel. And I did four months in a, in the casita in a completely different part of town that I used to live in. So I explored a completely different area. The next the next year, I, I rented out my house again. This is during the tourist season in Arizona. So I rented out my house again, and I went somewhere else. And then the following year, I did as well. And I think it was during that year that it was like, okay, I think this is, I've got the hang of this. Like, I'm really good at this now. And also, that was the same year that COVID happened. And of course, 
when you're back in your house, it was like lockdowns and nothing's open and you can't even go to the gym. And this is Arizona in the summer and it was hot and it was just like miserable and isolating. And I thought and like, well, wait a second, I'm working remotely and I can work from anywhere. So why am I in my home office in July in Arizona? Like, there's a million other better places to be if I was working, if I had to to work from from somewhere and I didn't have to be in an office. And I just sort of like went through that, you know, went through the thought process. Okay, well, what's keeping me here in Arizona? It's not really a relationship. I have friends, but you know what? A lot of them are at different life stages and and married and kids. And there's nothing really keeping me here except this like asset and everything in it. So what should I do about that? And I kind of explored my options and I decided that I was just going to sell it. I was going to offload everything inside. I was going to completely cut ties and be free. And then I was going to start my nomadic way of life. And so I drove away in September, 2020 with just the things that would fit in my car and my dog. And we traveled basically all of the U S through the rest of 2020 and all of 2021 I hit my 50th state. Then I went up to Canada for a little bit. So now I'm at like all 50 states. And once I accomplished that, I decided, well, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And what made you decide to quit your job? Did you, were you not able to take it internationally or you just feel felt like you wanted more freedom and flexibility? Yeah. So that was really kind of at the heart of it. I had been, you know, it was like 15 months or something that I was nomadic and working and traveling the U.S. And it was difficult because most of my team was on Pacific time. I was on whatever, wherever I was. And, you know, you constantly have demands, you have meetings, you have people texting you and emailing you and no one's paying attention to time zones. And and not only that, not only like what happens kind of during the workday, but my mental attention was still, they still had my mental attention, even on the weekends, even when I wasn't like actually working that I'm like, I can't really enjoy where I am. Can't really to the very, very core, just relax and truly enjoy all these awesome places I'm traveling to. And I think it really came to a head. I was in, I was in like upstate New York and it was like raining. Well, first I'll say every day during the week was beautiful. And then the weekend, it rained all weekend long. And I was just thinking to myself, dude, I spent every nice hour of the day working and every like every bad weather hour, I, I, I didn't have to work, but then the weather was bad. What am I doing? Why am I traveling if I can't enjoy it? And so I, then I just sort of started, okay, what, is, what does it mean if I quit? And do I have enough money? And like, is it a smart thing to do? And I went through all the churning and, and I went through all of those exercises, emotional, mental, financial. And finally, I just said, okay, I'm doing this. I, I need to reclaim my time, my energy, my creativity and rejuvenate a little bit. And I did. Amazing. 
So once you finally made the decision and went through with it, how did you feel? Oh gosh. I mean, there were so many emotions at first. Mm -hmm. I think, well, I will say once I made the announcement, there was not one person that said, you're going to regret quitting your job. You know, there was not one person who said that. And even my boss said like, you're making the right decision you need this, you know, go do you and be your creative self. And, and so I felt like a ton of, ton of support from family members and friends and followers. I felt just really convicted in the decision that I made, but then sort of in that month or two, or even longer that followed, I did face, I did face some like thoughts and emotions that I wasn't prepared for. So one of them was transitioning from an earner to a spender. Mm -hmm. Now that I didn't have a paycheck coming in, I was just a little bit like uncomfortable because I had always been responsible. I had always been like, let me put savings away. Let me, I'm never going to like overdraw my account. I'm never going to leave a balance on my credit card. You know, none of that. And then, then I started to spend and spend and spend and nothing was like coming in. And I started to like question some of my spending and I had, and I, I freaked out a little bit about that. So I did have to talk myself down and well, wait a second. I made a budget. I made a smart budget. I, I made a budget based on my, you know, the cost of living where I'm going. It's based on my spending habits. And it's based on how I plan to spend my time and what matters to me and what I prioritize. So if I want to have that $7 margarita instead of the $2 beer, I'm going to do that, you know? And also this is Mexico. So no, it's cheap. It's cheap. I'm going to have that mezcal margarita if I want to treat myself. So I had to sort of like talk myself off the ledge of, okay, I made a budget even though I'm spending, I was smart about my, my saving up until, you know, for years and years while I, while I sort of planned this, I got to give myself grace to spend within my budget. And then there was a second emotion that I struggled with. And that I think is a curse, an American curse. It's the productivity and hustle culture that we are just so indoctrinated in if you feel, if you're not busy, if you're not productive, you feel like you're a failure. What have I got to show for myself today? Or whatever, whatever you're used to sort of telling yourself or having others judge you for. I had days where I really was like, I basically just walked around all day and like sat in cafes for hours. And maybe I took a few photos and I relaxed, but like, I didn't write a blog. I didn't like make a video on YouTube. I didn't do anything productive and I questioned, I questioned how I spent my time. And I think I had to sort of get over that and and remember and remind myself that I didn't just like quit my day job to spend 40 hours a week on my blog or on my social media, or I didn't do that. Like I wasn't trying to get another job. I wasn't trying to replace my job. I was trying to to replace my job with time for learning, for creativity, for rest and rejuvenation, for learning. And 
experiencing different things. And I don't have to necessarily recap it on the blog every single day for, for other people to consume some things I keep to myself. And, and so that's something that still, I have days even now that like, oh, well, I was pretty lazy today. I was just basically, you know, laying out by the pool and reading a book and, or watching some, watching something at night, but that's okay. It's okay to have those moments where our minds just wander. Absolutely. And it's so important in the travel sense to like take that rest as well, because sure, you're traveling. Sure. You can do like jam pack your days full of activities and stuff like that, but this is your life now. And even though we glorify being busy and hustle culture, we all still need rest and it doesn't matter what you're resting from. It's important nonetheless. Yeah. And I, I definitely second that. And I feel like that's also how people approach travel and, oh, we got to squeeze in so much. We got to go from here to here and here and here. And if you don't see this place and if you don't do that thing, then you, your, your vacation wasn't successful. And it's like, wait a second. But then when you get back from your vacation, you need a vacation from your vacation. Like you're, that's not the point of the vacation. And, and also like, maybe we should schedule longer vacations. A hundred percent. So many things as a culture that we could really stand to change, but you're so right. Like even when I quit my job to go travel that I approached my travels in the way you just described, like being busy, accomplishing things. And I got burnt out and I couldn't figure out why, but it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Let's meme that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm sure you've encountered many people who wish they could do what you're doing. This is in air quotes because I think people, you probably hear that a lot. What do you think Mm -hmm. is holding them back if they truly wished to be doing what you're doing? I think, I think it's really fear of the unknown. I think that's a really, really powerful obstacle. It's almost the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't. There are there are people who are like, I, I hate this about my life. I hate this about my life or maybe, and maybe hates a strong word, but they're dissatisfied, but then they still are not going to choose the scary, unknown, untested thing just because they, it's scary, unknown and untested. And it's almost, I think there's that, they come in with that mindset, like, but what if it, what if it's worse or what if it goes wrong? But what if it goes right? I think that is, it's always easier to, it's always easier to kind of expect, expect the worst. And, and I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. Totally. I mean, that's our conditioning again, like what is missing? What could go wrong? What's the negative thing here? We're always drawn to that as opposed to just the opposite perspective. Like what have we accomplished so far? What could go right? Like you said, so Mm-hmm. So true. Okay. So after you quit your job, you went to Mexico. <laughs> I did. I Tell us about it. Okay. So really my, the reason I wanted to go to Mexico is kind of three or four fold, perhaps I wanted to drive so I could bring my dog and have a little bit more freedom to get around because I really wanted to go off the beaten path, Mexico. My, and I, I want to bring my dog because she's my best friend. She's a little too big to fly. And I don't want to put her under the plane. So I want to have her with me in the car. Also, Mexico's close enough to the US, but still far enough away. 
that you, you you can get to it pretty easily, but it's it's um, not that accessible. It does take some driving into. I think it's a lot more affordable if you're going to go anywhere driving from the from the U.S. Canada's not going the right direction in terms of affordability. So how about Mexico? And then also, like, I just love the Latin culture. I am learning Spanish. I'm relearning Spanish, actually. I appreciate the Spanish language. I appreciate the culture, the Mexican culture. And I just think it's very rich in history and has so much to offer in terms of landscape and weather and things to do and amazing cuisine. So there's really like, I can't really say, I can't really say anything bad about Mexico. Totally agree. Like this is going to turn into a Mexico promotion (laughs) podcast episode, I feel like, but I mean, we're on the same wavelength with that. So you've traveled to some less visited destinations more than what people typically travel to. How do you decide where you're going to go? Yeah, I think I haven't counted in a while, but I've been to at least half the states in Mexico. And I don't know. I mean, it's, I think I depend, I I consider a lot of different factors when I determine where I want to go. The main one is probably weather. Mm -hmm. It's also like things to do. Do I know anyone? What the accommodations might be like? Time of year? Is it like a nomad hotspot or is it more for retirees? How accessible is it in terms of other places on the way? And then I sort of also have to keep in mind, are there any anchor points I need to be aware of? And I've sort of coined this this term anchor points. What I mean by that is, okay, there's a festival I want to go to and it's in May, or there's, you know, some holiday and I want to be in this city for that holiday. And so I sort of identify what those anchor points are and fill the blanks in. And so sometimes it's, I'm a month in this city and I'm three days in that city. So it just all really depends, but I've kind of made it a point to one, go to all like the major cities more or less. And then I really want to see like Pueblos, Magicos and other just gems of, of places that are a little more off the beaten path in Mexico, because there are actually tons of those. Because I really want to get the full Mexican experience. Totally. And like off the top of your head, can you think of one place that you visited that maybe a lot of people don't go to that you just had the best time? Yes. I have a couple actually. Okay. (laughs) I'm fine with it. (laughs) I'll I'll give you two because otherwise, like you said, it's going to turn into a Mexico like love-a-thon podcast. But I'll give you two. So... The first one is basically it's this region called Huasteca Potosina. It's in the jungle with like tons of waterfalls and like rivers and whitewater rafting and waterfall repelling and jumping. And I stayed at like a jungle cat cat sanctuary where they had rehabilitated animals that you could like watch them being fed. We were glamping in the jungle and Every tour was like dog friendly. Penny was on the, she was on the, like, on the, like the rowboat, not the rowboat, but the canoe thing with us. And we jumped into a cave together. It's very, it's very off. I mean, there was not one American tourist there. Tons of Mexican tourists there. I struggled with my limited Spanish, 
but it was just so, so magical. And that is in the state, generally in the state of San Luis Potosí, which is a little bit central Northern. And I thought like that, that whole experience was just amazing. And I would definitely go back and see more waterfalls. Actually, we went to a water park and it was dog friendly. Like (laughs) you don't have dog friendly water parks. And I just put Penny, I just put Penny in this little like flotation vest that she's got a shark one. So she got a little shark fin and I'm like throwing her stuff or like little rubber stick in the water. And all these like Mexicans are like, do 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 kind of watching us and thinking, look at this, look at those gringas being. Oh my God. <laughs> that sounds so cute. We need a picture. <laughs> uh, I will share. I will share those pictures with you. Okay. <laughs> but we just had a blast. So that's, and that's like, nobody's ever heard of Huasteca Potosina. Even like a lot of people who travel a lot to Mexico don't know, don't know Huasteca Potosina. So that is super off the beaten path. And then there was another city that I went to. It's it's called Morelia. Have you been there? Yes. And I just thought Morelia was so magical. It's in Michoacan, which for your listeners is actually like a dangerous state in Mexico when you shouldn't go. And I get I have a, a YouTube video on my trip to Morelia and I keep on seeing comments here and there or DMs like, oh, but did you feel like it was dangerous or did you feel like it was unsafe? And I'm like, I... I spent five days in Michoacan. I went to Morelia, Pátzcuaro, Genizio, like all these magical little places. And like, no, I totally didn't even like bat an eye. I didn't even bat an eye and I had an amazing time. So there's just so many like magical, magical places in Mexico that one, people don't go to because either they're hard to get to or they're not like the all-inclusive beachfront, whatever Mexican image that they have. Or two, they're so scared off by all these travel warnings and travel advisories that they don't even give it a second thought. Absolutely. And Michoacan is one of my favorite states in Mexico. I've had no issues whatsoever. But on that note, do you want to talk about safety in Mexico? Like, What has your experience been with regards to safety and the perception of the media? So I think... I I have not had any experiences in, in terms of feeling like I'm in danger in Mexico. There have been situations where like my my car had its side mirror stolen when it was parked overnight. There were some ish, instances where, you know, somebody tried to give themselves an extra tip, you know, or they tried to overcharge me for something. And I actually have questioned them in Spanish and I have succeeded on several occasions. So I think like anywhere there's some opportunistic theft or, or crime, but personal safety, I have not felt like I was ever in danger. And I'm like, I'm walking around. Yes. I walk around at night, not in the middle of the night, but 10, 11 o'clock at night, why not? I got to take my dog out, things like that. And I drive, you know, I drive, I've driven like 12,000 kilometers. So I've done a significant amount of driving. I just don't drive at night or in the middle of the night. I I think if you take precautions, if you kind of follow the, the recommendations when it comes to safety and you use your common sense, you're going to have a fine time in Mexico. And also, like, the U.S. is not the safest country in the world either. 
So let's just put some things in perspective. <laughs> exactly. So true. And what has your experience driving been like? I mean, generally good. I really love the ability to just go wherever I want to go, when I want to go, and have like the freedom of the road. It's super valuable. And plus, I can also bring a lot more things with me because I have my trunk. And obviously, my my have my dog with me. So I don't have to worry about things like timetables and is the bus dog friendly or you know, any of any of those concerns that somebody might do if they were taking public transportation. I, on the other hand, have to worry about parking and gas and tolls and maintenance. And if a cop tries to, you know, shake me down for going through a checkpoint, and that has happened, uh, um, that has happened once. So there are some things you have to be aware of if you're going to drive. Also, some additional costs, like you need Mexican car insurance, you need to pay to import your car temporarily, you know, there's, it's not that easy to do, you need to know the rules and and know what to do when you encounter certain situations. But at the same time, I still wouldn't, I wouldn't trade, trade it, do your research, uh, know what you're getting yourself into, and decide if it's right for you. And I decided that it's right for me. So I'm happy to have a vehicle. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, because you see stuff, people are like, I can't believe you're driving in Mexico. But like, I mean, I follow you and you, I'm like, that looks very freeing. I've rented a car, <laughs> but like, it's it's different than having your own. Yeah, actually, that was funny. I think I was I was somewhere I was in Salulita and I was I was driving someone around another American and, and he was like, you're driving in Mexico. I'm like, yeah, because largely you don't even realize it. It's just like the roads are the same red a red octagon means stop even if it says alto like you know what it means green means go as you drive on the right side of the road there's nothing really that obvious that makes you think oh i'm driving in a foreign country this is scary once you get in it's like okay i i know the rules of the road it's actually any fear that i had like oh my god I'm driving to mexico once i got into mexico and i was there about 10 minutes i'm like no this is completely what I'm what I'm used to yeah it's one of those things you play (laughs) up in your head I think and then you get there just like even traveling somewhere for the first time you're like ah and then you get there and it's like oh this is just normal yeah I mean I will say Mexico City is absolute chaos and I almost have a heart attack every time I drive have to drive through or around Mexico City so I try to avoid that and I just take Ubers in Mexico City (laughs) Fair enough. But that's yeah. a, neither here nor there. It's <laughs> where <laughs> so, like the logic of the road rules go to die. Like they, it just makes no sense there. I, yeah. I drove there once and never again. <laughs> I lost a, I lost a few weeks off my life on, on that day. <laughs> oh boy. And can you talk a little bit more about traveling with your dog, Penny, and what that's been like? Yeah. So I think we're a little bit unique. So Penny and I have been traveling since she was four months old and we did tons of traveling in the U S and that was when she one, she was young. And so she could fly on planes, but then also she was my emotional support animal while the um, United States government recognized emotional support as, as a class that they were going to recognize. And we did tons of traveling all throughout the U.S., even went up to Alaska. She, so she's been on tons of planes, trains, boats. 
she's really kind of like experienced it all. So I think I got very lucky one in that it suits her personality and two, just that she's been socialized to really excel in different circumstances and landscapes and situations so that if it's loud, if it's bumpy, if it's sand or concrete or forest or whatever, whatever it looks like, she's comfortable and she can like make do. So I I feel like just very thankful that I have a good travel buddy. I think for others who are considering traveling with their dogs, they really need to understand if their dog has the personality for that. But I don't think it necessarily has to be a barrier. I think you can successfully travel with your dog, you know, if your dog's personality suits. In Mexico, I find it to be a very dog-friendly country. And I think there's there's plenty of other dog-friendly countries in the world too. So I would I would encourage people to think about if traveling with your pet could be something that you want to explore. Totally. Because I think a lot of times people consider it a hindrance. Oh, I can't travel because I have a pet. But what if you could? <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm definitely sharing content that sort of like shines a light on whether or not that is a myth or a myth or not. And I mean, I, I do want to preface like absolutely don't do it. Don't put your dog through something that's not suited for his or her personality. If you're if it is suited for your person for your dog's personality, Mexico's dog friendly and a lot of other countries are too. So it's completely possible. That's awesome. Did you need any specific documentation or paperwork to come to Mexico? Nothing. Even easier. <laughs> Nobody. I, I think um, actually, technically the rules are you don't need rabies, proof of rabies coming from the US and Canada because because it's a given, I suppose. Mm-hmm. From other countries, you do need proof of rabies entering Mexico. That is the rule. But sometimes there's there's some space between the rule and the what's enforced. So I think just as a general general practice, maybe just bring the, the proof of rabies just in case and you'll be fine. Cool. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> what tips do you have for making friends and building connections while you're traveling? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do say a lot that I travel solo, but traveling solo doesn't mean being alone. And also being alone doesn't mean lonely. Mm-hmm. They're not mutually exclusive. So- I, I'm obviously, you know, I'm with my dog. I do spend periods of time where I'm alone because I'm doing things that I need to do. But I really appreciate making friends and making connections wherever I go, learning from people, just kind of broadening my horizons. I meet tons of travelers. I find it actually easier to meet people when I travel than it is to meet people when I ever lived in the same place. So, and then, and then also I think when you meet other travelers, you have the similar mindset of, hey, we're here, we're curious, we're exploring, we are here to get to know people versus maybe when you're at home and everyone's in their own bubble trying to get their to-do list handled. Mm-hmm. So I find it really easy to actually meet people. And some specific ways that I meet people is obviously you can group them into two different groups. One, there's real life, real life interactions or real life introductions and then and then virtual introductions. 
So the internet has made so many things possible, like our podcast today, mm-hmm. but it has also, what has also made possible is being able to meet people in, you know, Facebook groups and social media and meetups and cou- through couch surfing apps. It's just all, there's all different connectivity, forms of connectivity uh, on an online basis. And then there's just like, walking around and, and not necessarily just introducing yourself, but if someone's kind of like in a, in a, in line behind you or in front of you, oh, you know, what, do, what, what's good here? You can make little comments to sort of introduce yourself, or maybe you're at a tour and there's somebody else on the tour and you can strike up a conversation and then you can perhaps make a friendship. So I think some of my, I, I don't have a real ratio that I can share, but Definitely in some cities, I have connected a lot with people online and then met them, met up with them later. And then in other cities, I'm somehow talking to somebody that is in line with me or on a tour with me or somehow in my, in my orbit. And then I end up um, connecting with that person further. So I think there's plenty of ways to meet people and anybody who's, who's a, afraid to travel solo because they think they'll be lonely, I encourage you to, to give it a shot. Love it. And it's so exciting. Like you never know who you're going to meet. (laughs) The possibilities are endless. I agree. And I think that's, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about solo travel is imagine, like, imagine if you woke up one day and you're like, oh, I think I want to do this today. And then you meet someone, like your entire trajectory of your day could be changed, your week, your life could be changed because you decided to go and do this, that, or the other thing. And it led you to this experience. I mean, I've met some amazing people. I've had some romances. I've had some just like very impactful interactions. And I love that. It's all made possible through travel. So cool. Like, that's so (laughs) inspirational. If you need a reason to travel, that is a good reason. (laughs) So in addition, what advice do you have for someone who is considering this sort of lifestyle, the atypical, maybe quit your job and travel, maybe work remotely and nomad, but they're feeling afraid to take the leap? I think the best way to get over that fear of the unknown is to actually experience the unknown. But where a lot of people get hung up is, okay, but then I have to change my life. I have to go from zero to 60. But you don't have to do that. You can like just dip your toe in. You can do what I did where, oh, I'm just going to rent out my house and go somewhere else for a little while. I'm going to go and work remotely from here for a little while. I'm going to experiment. I'm going to dabble. I'm going to test. I think that is something that a lot of people don't maybe consider because they think they have to go all in all the way a hundred percent, but give it a try on a small scale, maybe closer to home, maybe in a English speaking country, maybe in a shorter duration, whatever, take it a baby steps and then find out, you know, do I like it? Is it working for me? How can I finesse this? How can I improve upon this experience? Try it again and decide and maybe you will decide oh my gosh I totally I totally want to do this full time or maybe you'll decide I'm happy just like 
with my once a year experiment. It does, there's no one size fits all. It doesn't, it, it's totally up to you, but you, you can change your life if you want to make a change. So good. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, where can people learn more about you online? Oh, well, I hope um, all of you guys will check out my website. It is juliedevivre.com. And I'll spell that since we're on a podcast. J-U-L-I-E-D-E-V-I-V-R-E.com. And also you can go on Instagram. It's Julie B. Rose. And then you can click on the link in the bio to get to the website and get to all the other channels on YouTube and Facebook and so on. And I also want to plug, if you don't mind, I have an ebook. And the ebook really tackles the financial aspect and the emotional aspect of this decision that I made of quitting my job to travel, to take my life into my own hands and all the things that I worked through in order to make that happen, both logistically and emotionally. And it's called Money and Mindset, How to Take a Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And I hope you guys check it out. Perfect. That sounds super valuable. And that's all linked in the show notes too. So you can click and find it all easily. Before we go, Julie, do you have any last minute pieces of advice or a little tidbit you'd like to share? Oh boy. I didn't, I didn't plan ahead for this, but (laughs) I I'll share one that I always have on the tip of my tongue and it's, you can make more money, but you can't make more time. My favorite one. That's, and I, I, I don't have to explain that further. It's very simple, but I will add one anecdote. My dad worked his entire life and when he retired, he was, he basically um, was diagnosed with Parkinson's and then died a few years later and never got to enjoy their fruits of his labor over four and a half decades of five, five decades of labor. And we have so little time, like life is not guaranteed. We should be seeing the things that we want to see. We should be prioritizing the things that matter, matter to us now. Don't say that for later because you don't know what later is going to look like or if later is going to come. And a lot of what I'm doing now is really in honor of my dad and for my dad who didn't get this opportunity. That's really beautiful. And I'm sorry for your loss, but I really appreciate you sharing with that, that with us. And I think it's a perfect note to end on because it's truly a valuable lesson. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing so openly. Everyone else, I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks, Callie. And and thanks, everyone listening. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.